This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking with me, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, look, this is the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Hey, today, our guest is none other than Grammy Award-winning American Electric Blues harmonica singer, guitarist, songwriter, entrepreneur, just all-around great guy, Grady Champion. Glad to have him back in the studio, and we're going to discuss his increasingly successful career as a blues musician and, of course, his life here in Canton, Mississippi, where, of course, he grew up as the youngest of 28 siblings. Plus, we'll talk about the latest headlines in the weekly roundup. And to be part of the show, hey, give us a call. We want to hear from you. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. Hey, this is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. It's July already, and I'm not quite sure um, where this year's going. Went by pretty quick. Look, we're in for a great show today. You're in for a real treat. One of my favorite guests, none other than, uh, I, you know, I... I don't know how to describe you. Entrepreneur, uh, electric blues, he's singer, guitarist, he's songwriter. Mr. Grady Champion is here as well, and he sells used cars. So I did, I did learn that one as well. So we'll we'll talk to him about his successful career as a blues musician and his work. He's traveling all over over the world. We're lucky to get him in here today, to believe it or not. And of course, um, life in Canton, Mississippi. Had twenty eight siblings. I always love that story too. So twenty eight. Twenty eight. Imagine. And yeah. I'm the baby. And you're the baby. <laughs> I'm the baby. I was the last one. So you had a lot of mommies and daddies, too, because you had all those older, older brothers and sisters telling you what to do all the time. <laughs> well, you know, they was about gone when we when we came along. Yeah. You know, they was so, it's such a, a age disparity. Yeah, what, what is it? What is it? I mean, how's well, my, the oldest? My oldest brother would have been 92. Wow. Oh, my God. And um, yeah. he passed away about two and a half years ago, three years ago. Yeah. And, um, well, you got good genes, though. I oh, mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty good. Even with my dad back in 69, he passed in 69. I was born in 69, so he passed three months after I was born. Really? So he was he was 69, so he actually passed in 1970, January 1970. And um, believe even back then, the way the work was and stuff, you know, to yeah. be around 69 years, almost 70, it was a blessing. Yeah, I mean, he worked a hard life, but- Okay. Well, he worked. <laughs> he worked but 69 years old, and he's having kids. When I, mean, I was, come on now. When I was born, my mom was 28. My daddy was 69. What? Wow. Yeah. Well, so yeah. that means we stay in there a long time. <laughs> Y'all do. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have Grady on for the next 50 years at least. Exactly. <laughs> he's going to be around for a while. I tell you what, uh, July 4th, though. Man, it was a good week. Uh, it Michelle, was nice, you had a good week. Yeah. I did. It was weird. You know, like everyone's talking about, 4th of July in the middle of the week like that. On Wednesday. It's like you had two Mondays and two Fridays. <laughs> it was weird. It was bizarre. But in radio, people don't understand. We talk about this around here a lot. It's a running joke. People in the other departments here, when you have a holiday, you can just get up and leave. In radio, you can't do that. Because you get such a thing as dead air. Yes. So we have to prepare. If you're going to be out, just say if you want a vacation in radio, you have to work like twice as hard or double. You have to do two weeks of work, (laughs) uh, 20,000 breaks. People don't understand. Leaving in radio requires you to do more work on the front end, but you can enjoy your vacation, I I, guess. I know. I had to draw an extra cartoon one day. I, I can't make that sound like it was really hard. Hard work. It was so That's hard. funny. How was your Fourth of July? Man, it was awesome. I, my son and I we ran the uh, watermelon race, five oh, yeah, K race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I came within like a few seconds of a PR, so I was Look very happy you. about that. Yeah, it was really slow. And my son, who does run, you know, cross country and everything, was at a church camp. Thankfully, because if he'd have gone, he would have completely embarrassed me. Oh, but wow. my other son embarrassed me too. So that's why you have children. And you, you know, humbled. we had so many Fourth of July uh, celebrations throughout Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It, you had no excuse. I mean, from north to south, east and west, all over the state, everyone was celebrating. It was a great time. Yeah, we we hung out with friends on a pontoon boat on Mm -hmm. Lake, watching fireworks. It was, I mean, eating watermelon, you know, having a cold adult beverage. It was really (laughs) a great, great day. Yeah. So it's good. But we're back. We're back. And I tell you what, um, 
just on a personal front, I hate to get you know too me me me. I had something really cool happen over the weekend. Uh, for some of you may be aware, there was a tragic shooting at the Annapolis Capital Gazette, a newspaper up in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, a guy was very unhappy with a story that was written about him because he was a stalker. And so he comes walking into the newsroom and he shoots five of the editors and kills them. And it was a very tragic story. One of them was Carl Hyacinth's brother, who's the famous writer. Carl's a famous writer down in Miami. His brother was, of course, equally as good of a writer and as an editor, too, up there. Well, anyway, I drew a cartoon about it. I had them because the thing that was so amazing about this, and I don't think people realize this about journalists, is that they they don't really work for a lot of money, but they work with a lot of passion. It's kind of like first responders and, and some of these, you know, military people that like to really love what they do and just 100 percent. The thing that was so amazing about that was here they had this tragic shooting and literally there were the survivors had to walk over their dead co-workers as they were trying to run out the door they put a paper out the next day. Now, they had some help. Obviously, some people came in from the Baltimore Sun, which is nearby and which is owned by the same company. But they got a paper out the next day, which um, was amazing. So anyway, I did the cartoon. I had the, the five victims there. And then it said uh, the caption was, you know, the angel angel was telling them, yes, they got the paper out. And I mean, the cartoon went viral again. And like I said, with the Barbara Bush cartoon and now this one, I'm my goal in life is not to be an obituary cartoonist, but you know, when you have moments like that, it's nice to be able to do something that means something to people. Well, I got a um, Twitter, you know, thing. I love Twitter. It's great. You can talk to people. Uh, talking to an author, for instance, that was on the show uh, a couple of years ago, has a new book out. I was talking to him about that because I just finished the book. But anyway, I heard from one of the people that literally had survived the shooting, was in the newsroom. And he just told me how much the cartoon meant to him. And I said, well, you know, I can get you copies or whatever. And they said, well, we have kind of a request. And I said, what's that? And they said, can we have the original? Well, yes, of course you can have the original artwork, 11 by 14, pen and ink, you know, what I do my drawings on. And they said, well, we want to hang it in our temporary newsroom as a memorial and then in our new newsroom that we get down the road as a memorial to our friends. And I'm like, I'm just speechless at this point. So I'm like, wow, okay. Because, I mean, I get, my stuff gets in, 300 newspapers around the country, ends up New York Times, USA Today, yay, you know, I mean, it's great. And I'm very proud of that part of what I do. But the fact that it showed up Sunday in their paper um, and meant something to them, that was like, that's really powerful. So anyway, that was uh, that was kind of cool. And, and, you know, I mean, I talking to him and I was like, what do you say to somebody who literally witnessed that? And I just said, you know, everybody in our newsroom support you. And we love y'all. And if there's anything we can do, obviously we are there. So anyway, that was kind of the big thing over the weekend. And that was kind of nice. And, and I don't know about you, Michelle and, and Greater, have you ever been watching the cave rescue deal? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it oh yesterday and I well, saw yeah. how, uh, like you said, they got eight of them out. But it's very narrow and very challenging. A lot of people oh. were saying, like cr- criticizing, saying that why couldn't they get it? I mean, it is challenging Literally, if you look at it. Seriously. Okay. If you're five feet Okay, the kids. They're they're 11 to 17-year-old kids. Um, Say they're five feet tall. There's some places where literally they couldn't get, they couldn't walk through it. I mean, it was almost like, and I hate to use this analogy, but it was kind of like a birth canal. It's just tight. And then on top of that, so they walk in, they crawl through. And I don't know if you've ever been in a cave or not. I've done that like in Boy Scouts. Absolutely got the heebie-jeebies. I mean, I'm so claustrophobic. I got got in there and I was like, there are millions of tons of rock over my head. I'm about to scream and run (laughs) out of here. So they come crawling through some of these really tight places, and then all of a sudden it rains hard, and it floods the cave. Well, none of these kids can swim. And on top of that, the water's got currents. It's muddy. It's murky. And, you know, right now, and I don't the 20, 2018's been kind of a crazy year. Yes, up and down. And so to see people coming from all around the world, these really expert cave divers, these, these SEALs, the Thai Navy SEALs, um, experts from actually two guys from England found the team alive mm-hmm. in there after 10 days. Can you imagine not having in the dark, mm-hmm. not having any food or water and being scared, thinking you're going to die in there? Uh, I mean, a lot of people are criticizing the coach. Why did you take him in there? Kudos to the coach for keeping those keeping kids calm exactly. and keeping them going for all that time. But I mean, you know, here we got a year where it seems like, gosh, so much crazy bad stuff is happening. But then we get these little glimmers of hope mm-hmm. when you see that the goodness in people. Right. When they just say, oh, I'm Elon Musk, for instance, the guy has more money than sense. He shoots rockets into space, cars into space, you know, builds electric cars, the Tesla. 
Uh, he's sending a little personal submarine that they can literally stick a kid in and try to get them out through that way so they don't have to put the mask on right. and be drugged through. Because what, what they're doing is they've got two of these, like, Navy SEAL divers on either side of the kid, and the kid literally had to learn how to be a cave diver within in five days. Right. <laughs> right. Like, within five days, I couldn't... I mean, I mean, I just get... I've been sitting there looking at the diagrams getting just so incredibly claustrophobic. But it's... You know, I mean, right now we've got eight out. I don't want to jinx it. Obviously, they've still got the rest of the team and the coach to get out, too. Right. But so far, the kids seem to be healthy, according to the authorities, and um, which is a miracle. I mean, talk about resilience. Right. Yes. I mean, talk about resilience. Those kids are tough. Well, what I love about America is... When it, tragedy does strike America, then you see the best of America come out. That's exactly. what I love. Nine Eleven, Hurricane Katrina, all of the catastrophes and all of the tragedies that that has happened in America. That's when you see the humane part of Americans. You see everyone doesn't matter what color, what creed, what religion. That's when we come together and forget about everything else to try to help. The powers that be. And I like that. Exactly. I, I do, love that. I do. I, you know, I wrote the book Chainsaws and Casseroles because I've always said that whenever there's a disaster, you know, if you're crawling out of rubble after a tornado, there will be a church van in your front yard full of people with chainsaws and casseroles because mm-hmm. they're going to cut the tree off your house and they're going to feed you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a tweet on Sunday from a guy who knew the four of the journalists that got shot, used to work with them. And this was his tweet. I'm an atheist. I don't pray. But I just lost four journalism former co-workers to an asinine violence. I can't imagine the world losing a youth soccer team and its coach in a cave. And he puts in quotes, son, are you a Christian? I said, ma'am, I am tonight. I'm praying from them, as you know, from walking from walking with Memphis by Mark Cohn. But that great line is like he's even he's praying for him to, because he wants something good to happen. That so is good. That's very, very powerful. So right. speaking of powerful, mm-hmm. we got him in the studio, we like 100 percent pure energy. Glad he's here straight from Dallas. Forgot his harmonica, but I still love him anyway. <laughs> we got, we're going to forgive him for that one. Oh, no, you know, give him a pass. And I usually have a harmonica on me. I just, for I some know. reason, I forgot to. What, what we have our harmonica uh, closet. I'll go look at it and well, see if we have an extra. I know. Golly, it's like <laughs> Superman forgetting his cape. Good I know, grief. Right? Oh, well. Anyway, coming up next is Grady Champion. And thank you for listening. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. MPBonline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBonline.org. Are you looking for something fun to do this summer? You should check out the MPB events calendar. It has tons of great events. We're talking water slides, kids' activities, and even some summer night concerts that are just awesome. If you want to find something nearby or far away, check it out because we have activities across the whole state. If you want a date night or a play day, we have that covered too. There's tons to do for any age, anywhere, anytime. And it's all online at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Back. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. That wonderful sound you hear is our guest Grammy Award, Grammy Award winner. I co-wrote a song that uh, won the Grammy for uh, Etta James when she was living in that's 2003. Right. Yeah, that's right. I remember so, that, Mr. Grady Champion. Congratulations so on that. I, I didn't have my hands in some. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good way to start out. That's not oh, bad. Yeah. You know, have that sitting up on the trophy. Oh yeah. By the way. That's my great. That's my Grammy. That's my Grammy. <laughs> hey, you know it was great. Of course, that was make that monkey jump. But one of my favorites. Um, you came in. You were out of the studio for a half a second. You came in, literally dancing to that. Oh, I love that groove. That's yeah. that groove is a forever groove. 
It's a forever group. I, t- I mean, it's a song I never get tired of either. That's right. Now it's I a got, lot of fun. And I got to tell this story. Um, we're not going to mention um, the name of the radio station that I was on at the time, but I was doing an afternoon show. You came in. You brought in your equipment, your giant Bose speakers. <laughs> I mean, literally could blow the walls out. You did that. Y'all had the, I mean, you had the full sound on it. We did a concert. <laughs> it was incredible. It was fantastic radio. And I swear, I almost got fired that day. It was fantastic. And you know what? I think I did get fired a couple weeks later, but it was still worth it. It was fantastic. <laughs> and, I, and I know you played that song as well. Um, like I said, you're, you're in from Dallas. I mean, you're a busy guy these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. I try to try to stay moving. Yeah. You know, and, and we got to talk about your life again because it, I, I never gets old telling your life story because I think, it, honestly, the one thing I like about you is that anybody who has a dream, they need to, like, really pay attention to what you've been doing. Yes. Because it's not just, oh, the guy's really talented. He can play a harmonica or he can play music or all that. No, nah, man, you, you're, like, from the business side all yeah. the way – to the, I mean, you got ethics on the stage. You demand the best out of your musicians. That's right. Yeah, it, it, you're the whole package. Well, you know, and uh, a lot I try to work with a lot of young musicians to get them to understand that. Now, a lot of people might say, "Oh, it's hard to play for Grady." Yeah. But no, Grady trying to teach you the right way to do it so you could get the respect and also be successful as a musician, even if you're with me or not. Right. And you got to always notice when you got. Any type of discipline that come with a job and the person is not used to discipline of doing it the right proper way, yeah. it always going to be a, a different side of it for them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, you know, if they're not used to doing it in the discipline kind of way, they're going to get up on stage when yeah. it matters. That's right. And something's going to break down. Well, you know, I always tell them that regardless of what go on, if something go down the wrong way, my name is the one that's going to reflect. <laughs> then there's that. That's yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, because it's hurting your brand. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember walking through the B.B. King Museum, Indianola, and that's the same thing that B.B. King did, too. He wouldn't yeah. let his folks drink. He wouldn't let them do anything yeah. else. And you've told me that, too. You're like, you I don't. I don't yeah. believe in it. If you're going, I mean... You know, it ain't like it were back in the day when people can get away with some of the foolishness. Right. But when you're trying to build a career that can be lasting. Now, some people are kind of be hard on me about it, even with promoters, because they want me to sit and get drunk with them. I don't get drunk. Right. I don't drink like that. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. So it's hard for me to fit in sometimes because I want to get out there and I want to get people a great show. I want to make sure I satisfy those people. And I can't satisfy them if I'm stumbling all over stage or I'm giving a product where I got my good top player every minute. He turned around picking up something to drink. Right. It, you know, and, and plus I, I, I help I to raise kids. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I wouldn't want them. If they going to learn it, they're not going to learn it from me. Right. And that's the bottom line. You know, the funny thing about kids, I think everybody and, you know, I've, I've got three boys and they're two of them are teenagers. One of them's about to be. And the one thing I've learned the hard way is that you can tell your kids anything you want to. That's right. They're going to listen, but they're going to watch you. They're going to watch you. Yeah. They're going to watch you. My, my my baby right now is 13. What? Yeah, my, I got a 13. I know, but he was. Oh, he'll be born now. He's growing up. I know he is, but that's like, where'd the time go? Because he was like a little kid the last oh, time I saw him. Oh, man, I was, so, I, I was so happy to watch him play that trumpet because, you know, yeah. growing up, I always wanted to be a trumpet player. Really? But. Um, I think I was in fifth grade at Nichols Middle School in Canton. Yeah. And my brother was in sixth grade. And we both went out for the band. He went out for trombone. I went out for trumpet. And we both made the band. Yeah. And I can remember the day like yesterday, Mama came home in that Beard LeSabre. And she get out. She had just went to Mississippi Music. I knew I was going to get my trumpet. But she only came out with a trombone. She could only afford one instrument. Oh. So I had to turn to sports and stuff like that. So I really didn't get to take music growing up, not till I was able to become an adult. That's really? how come I started in. I started in uh, music when I was 18, promoting down at Suntown Records in Miami, Florida. That's right. You were down there. I mean, you were doing rap back then, I was, too. I, was, I, was, I, well, I actually was promoting first. Then I yeah. got into the rap game. You know, I enjoyed yeah. the rap. And, you know, being able to go to Luther Campbell's uh, studio and stuff like that and see them, you know, two live crew when I was down there. So it was it was real cool. Yeah. What was that like going from, you know, literally a, a farm off of Highway 43 in Canton to Miami? 
God, that had to be like a brain freeze. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And I, if my mom could do it over, she probably would. But I wouldn't take a child that was born the way we was born on 43 yeah. and take them to an environment like Miami and try and raise them. I wouldn't do it. You're talking about education. It's totally though. different. Yeah. It's totally different because the stuff that the violence and stuff we had to be put into seeing yeah. at a young age, you're talking about 15 years old. You know, we we was down in the city. Right. So it's like stuff we were, we were used to people, you know, dying from, old age or accidents and stuff. But you go to Miami, it was a totally different ball game. Totally different. What's the thing? If you survive that, I mean, that's probably why you are so a stickler about determined. Determined. Well, I know that's why you're determined. Yeah. I mean, that's where you got your drive from. Yeah. And, and everything don't happen overnight. I tell people you got to build a house is not thrown up in 24 hours. You got to first lay the foundation. You got to put the framework. Sometimes it might go up quicker. Right. But sometimes it takes a little time. And and when you be dedicated to the blues after I got out of the rap music and really got hooked to the blues. Now, back in the 90s, there was two young blues men out of Mississippi that were playing the blues that were me and Eddie Cotton. Yeah. But we was dedicated to the blues no matter. If the money wasn't what we wanted to be or anything, it was still what it was. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But... um. I just say it's something that you have to be, you know, you have to be dedicated to, but it's a bigger picture to it. And it's understanding and building your way to that bigger picture. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what, that's what I was, that's what I work on every day. You know, you, you talk about building that house, talking about building that career. And I think of you and I think of our, our former, God, she's dead to me now. No, Rita Brent. You know, you know, used to be the producer here who's got a comedy career. But Uh both of you are both. It's like, you know, you talk about building a house, but you also have to do know what to build first. That's right. And you have to know you have to build that foundation correctly or, you know what, the house is going to fall down. That's right. So, I mean, because you could at this point of all the, you know, the awards you've won, all the travel you've done. If you'd have cut corners. That's right. It wouldn't have happened. happened. I would I wouldn't take a, a different route because. I done helped a lot of kids, even ones that was with my band. I was they figured I was a little bit harder or whatever. Yeah. They have came back to me and told me how much they appreciated some that went on to be successful in their careers. But I I was able to help people. You know what I'm saying? That's the biggest thing. If it's musician or whatever, I was able to help. And if I'm able to help, then that's how my mom was. My mom was a caretaker. Right. And when I say a caretaker, she always trying to take care of somebody. And I try to explain to the guys, when y'all out on the road with me, you all are my responsibilities. If I take you away from your parents, I want to bring you back. So that's the reason I handled the road like I did. And just sometimes you have to get back and you have to just sit back and so okay, now like I I don't win and I don't work. I did all I had I could do for the last twenty odd years building my career, building a name that could mean something. So now I'm able to move on to to something else where I'll tell you about the uh, me signing with Terry Harvey. Yes, yeah, this is this is huge news. And um, you know he's my new manager now, and uh, you know he managed Tito Jackson and the Jacksons. And uh, also the the former members of the BB King band, so he came to me and told me, "Say, great, I got a good vision for you because you're a first rated first rate rated entertainer." Right. And he said, "I got a plan for you." So I told him, "You go ahead and work your plan. I done did my work. I done put my work into it." How hard is that to let go though? Because you've been you've had your hands on everything you've done so tightly, and now you've got somebody that comes in and says, "Okay." I want to take you to the next level. It's just like my son. When I raised him till he was 18 years old, I mean, I molded him. I put all I need to put into him. Yeah. And and to watch him grow and be successful, sometimes you got to step away and let him become that man. That's hard. So I took my career to far as I can take it myself. So now I need to let someone else with a, a vision of giving me, getting me over, you know, and speaking of my son, I, you know, I'm very proud of him. He's 29 years old. He's 29 now. And um, he just got him a a very good 
job, career job in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. He called me this morning. He was so happy. And I was so happy for him because for the last three weeks, he'd been going back and forth from Memphis to Nashville for this job. So he got it, and he well on his way, and I'm proud of him. Congratulations. Mark Lee's champion. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I can tell you um, from personal experience, whenever your kid does something great, it's ten times better than anything you've ever done. Well, you know, I had him on the road with me for like I know it for eight years, yeah. seven, eight years playing bass because yeah. I knew I needed a solid bass player. Yeah. So I started him at 10 years old teaching him bass guitar because I always found that it was hard to get a bass player to be disciplined. And I knew I had to teach that to him. Yeah. So he played for me for a good little while. So, you know, proud that's awesome. That. And you got that time together too, which is invaluable. Oh yeah. You know, you, you mentioned your brother played, um, the trombone. Was yeah. there any other music in your family or was that just something? Church. That, church. Okay. Back yeah. when we, we were, you know, Baptist, uh, New Mount Zion, MV. Yes. You know? <laughs> so out there in Glustack, Mississippi, you know, getting up there singing. I can remember when I was eight years old and I was in the junior choir. And when I was singing, um, the girls used to always laugh at me and say, I sound like a girl when I sang because I had this real <laughs> high pitched voice. Yeah. And now I got this old raspy voice that if you hear me talk on the phone, you'd be like, what old man I'm talking to? <laughs> but that kind of works pretty well with blues. Oh, with though. blues, it works. Yeah, it works. exactly. Because, I mean, what was that like? You were breaking into it, like you and Eddie both. I mean, you're breaking into this field where, you know, the average age was about 90 yep. at the time when you got cracked and cranked yep. in there. And everybody's looking at you, who's the kid? Well, it's just something that got to be in your heart, man. I yeah. can tell people all the time that blues got to be in your heart. I can remember Zach Herman telling me a story about Eddie Cotton being six years old, right? Yeah. And um, his uh, daddy was taking him for good time listening to YMCA. And it, it, I, and then I could see it and understand it when he said a little six-year-old Eddie come in and said, your daddy said, you need to teach me guitar. But Zach was telling me every time he'd just be sitting around messing with blues, you know, playing blues, that Eddie would just be stuck there. Yeah. Just watching it. So it's something that got to be in your soul. It got to come through your heart. You know what I'm saying? And just to really do it. You get a lot of people that, that plays it, but you got to make people, you know, I mean, people got to feel it. If you don't feel it or you just doing it or just reading on paper, doing it, it don't work like that. People got to feel what you're doing. And if, for them to feel it, you got to feel it. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking with Grammy Award-winning blues musician Grady Champion. If you'd like to speak to our guest today, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-6474. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hey, everybody, listen to what I have to say. I say, hey, everybody, listen to what I have to say. If you can't be real and true to the game, don't sign up to play. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Back. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and that is, of course, Mississippi's own blues man, Grady Champion. Uh, Grady, you already said, well, I don't do acoustic things, but you were doing your own karaoke going out on the last break. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, that sounded really good. Now, tell us a little bit about that song. That's a Malco special. That, uh, 
Yeah. Something. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I recorded that and uh, Stone in My Path over at Malico. You know, yeah. me and Tommy, we didn't. We have developed a, a good relationship, you know what I'm saying? Because it allowed me to do what I do. It ain't. Right. My music kind of goes across the board. <laughs> Stone in My Path, you can probably hear it anywhere. You exactly. Know what I'm but it's all about the storytelling. What is it about Malico? Because it seems like they always manage to, to get something really special out of an artist. <laughs> well, you know, so I think when uh when I got in was able to meet Tommy Junior, you know what I'm saying? Tommy Senior is him and Wolf Nim was before, but now it's Tommy Junior doing his thing. Yeah. He still come in and he tried to work with your personality. Yeah. Let you be and, Well, he you got know, plenty to work with with you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's like, oh, that's just gonna be easy. Well Malico legendary. You know, Jackson oh, yeah. Mississippi. I grew up listening to that, man. I'm I know talking it. about my mama's favorite blues singer was ZZ Hill. And you know, they got the fiftieth anniversary of Malico. And uh, we'll be doing a little something over at that Jackson Music Award on that. That's right. That's yep. right. You just coming up. That's that's got to be for you. I mean, like I said, when you're a little kid and you're hearing that, now you're just sitting there pinching yourself, going, yeah. "Man, I've done this. <laughs> I can't believe it." Well, I just wish my, I wish my mom would have been here because she'd have been yeah. tickle pink. She would have. She'd have been tickle pink. Just like you are about your son. You were just oh, telling yeah. me about. You got this huge pay raise too. I'm like going, "Man, yeah." It's like, oh, you got to be happy on that. How'd you go? How'd you go? I mean, you were talking about it's, the blues is in your heart and everything. I mean, you're so you're you're doing rap. You're MC Gold at yep. this point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could have. I don't know how long you would have probably survived in the career necessarily because yeah. it's rough. Miami's a rough place. Well, but, I think well, I know where you're going with. Uh, but where, where, how did you get into the blues? I mean, how did well, you make that transition? That's that story. Um, with 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 the, with the blues. I was going out rapping at the clubs, and yeah. then, you know what I'm saying, I was a single father, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, my my, old, my oldest boy is autistic, and uh, I was a single father. So, and I started noticing every time I go rapping at these clubs, somebody was getting shot or stabbed. Yeah. And I said, well, I better find something else to do. <laughs> and um, I knew I loved entertainment. entertainment. Right. And had a friend of mine's. A uh, young lady I was going out with in Miami at the time, her friend uh, in, messed around. Cause even though we was in Mississippi, we always listened to Malico Blues. Right. But she took me to Lynn Page, you know, to the radio station at the University of Miami. And I heard Lynn Page spinning chess records. And when I heard Sonny Boy Williamson, mm -hmm. I fell in love with it. And it yeah. was history after that. I was going to ask you who, who your influences were. Sonny Boy Weezy yeah. my main one when he talking about harmonica. Because I'd never put a harmonica in my mouth until I was 25 years old. All right. Well, just because he forgot his harmonica. Oh, look at uh, No, no, I'm, I'm not giving you a hard time. But, I mean, you definitely sound like somebody who's been playing it a lot longer since you were 25 well, years old. everybody think I've been doing it since I was young. Right. That's a gift that God laid in me. Yeah, because you were, like, and, um, literally fiddling around in the car while driving. Right, yeah. right. Driving and stuff, like, playing with him. Called the, I started singing the blues. That's the first big thing I won back in 1994. I won the McDonald Music Fest, that, the Music Fest that was hosted by Queen Latifah, and they had a. I was going against R and B, rap, uh, island music. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah, just, um, it, yeah. It wasn't just one genre. Reggae. It was yeah. everything, and yeah. I won the whole thing singing "You Down Right." I got the blues by by uh, Buddy Guy, and that was in front of ten thousand people. Right. And I had only been singing blues for a year at the time. But the emotions that came out of that performance with me losing my mother, thinking about my mother that night, and I think people got caught up with the emotion, were able to really see and touch my soul. You know what I'm saying? My mom right. passed away when I was 22. Well, and it resonates with so many people, too, because yeah. it's a life experience everybody's going to go through. Everybody, man. And uh, I I just sang the song, had Ico Ico backing me up, a blues, a legendary blues band out of Miami. And I can remember first going out, to learn to sing the blue, going out to the Blue Monday, down at Tobacco Road. Yeah. I mean, I was coming from rap, so my timing wasn't too good <laughs> with the blue. I can remember Ike uh, um, Graham's telling uh, me, said, son, you go listen to this song, and then you come back next week. Because <laughs> at, 20, at 23 years old and 22 years old, I looked a lot younger yeah. than I was at the time. So they, they figured I was, you know, really young or whatever. But... um I got there listening to Coco Teller, uh, 
We go on the picture, wang, dang, doo-doo, all night long. <laughs> so that's the first song I started learning to sing, but my timing wasn't quite syncing with it. Right. But it didn't take long. And once it started coming, I knew that what God had put inside of me, I was going to touch a lot of people. Because you come to my show, you know it's going to be a spiritual show, even though it's blues. And I always tell people, people get confused with it because it's blues. Nothing wrong with the blues. Right. It's a gift that God gave us. And it allows us to cheer some people up when we do it the right way. And they say, well, you're off in a club singing the blues, people drinking. Okay. So... Do you remember our Savior, Jesus Christ? He didn't always go where the one that was always saved. He he went to places where people needed to right. hear something that, you know, all blues are not negative. Right. The blues and, have always been kind of a healing bomb. And people can feel when you're doing something good that can touch them. Right. And in that club, somebody, when I leave there, somebody feel like they need to go and get to know somebody on Sunday. You feel what I'm saying? So even though you're able to deliver the performance, you're able to emotionally touch your audience. You're able to get some thinking a little bit difficult. They say, okay, that's a different type of act I'm seeing on stage. Because I cut out the negativity. It ain't going to be none of the profanity and stuff like that. Not coming out of my mouth on stage. If somebody tell you they heard it, then you know right then that they done told you a lie. You know what I'm saying? Well, it sounds like to me that you've kind of figured out that the path to success is giving to other people, that's not right. doing it for yourself. That's right. Yeah. And, and that, and that's, that's the biggest thing with me. Yeah. And you know, some people take advantage of me, some people, but I catch on quick, but. Well, if you sell cars, I'm going to come buy a car from you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the boy, I tell you, that's a challenging, that's a challenging business. The, yes, it because is. Because you, you, you buy cars from the auction that you don't own, you know, you buy them and you try to get them as right as you can to sell to people. And, you know, you're dealing with cars that could be 10, 13, 15 years old. Right. So people have to understand when you get into the used car market, you 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 just, you know, you it's a gamble anyway. Well, there's there's never really a huge level of trust to begin with when well, you're we, walking in there. We, I mean, people are coming in there thinking, well, all right, it's a, but it's you. Well, I mean, they, they know they you, were, though. Right, but, but they when you come in knowing you, you only got a certain type of budget, you know, a lot of people have to understand if you want a new car, you go get a new car. You got a five-year warranty on it. Right. But when you're dealing with the used car market, we're not owners of the cars. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. The cars warranties are up. You know, we do what we can as owners to make sure we get it as prepared as possible for the public. Well, the reason I'm talking about cars is because obviously you have figured out in the whole business world that not only is it important to be Grady Champion uh, award-winning blues musician, but also to be Grady Champion businessman. And part of that is diversification. That's right. Being diversified. Right. And um, and, and it's still the same thing. If... um, if you set your goals and understand that if you make a little money here and if you can take and work with it over here, yeah. you might be able to turn it into something big. Right. And if you're able to do that, there we go again. More you're able to help people. Well, I help a lot of young people get in cars right. and stuff like that. Well, and, and you think about how many blues musicians, the, the, I mean, the greats, the giants, that died poor, that died, you, but couldn't even afford health insurance. But I told them. Now I keep a I keep plenty of it on me when it comes yeah. to business. If I don't pay nothing, I'm gonna pay my my insurance. Right. But I understood about getting into whole life insurance policies. Understanding when the economy suffers, right. One industry never take a dip, and that's insurance. Yeah. But understanding that you can build stuff, you know, through you know whole life and stuff like that. Cause y'all are young people don't even think about it. I first got my whole life insurance policy. I was in my early twenties. I started my own IRA when I was in my early 20s. Compounding interest. But it's, it's knowing that I didn't want to be one of right. them that I don't want you to have to say, okay, we got to take up money to bury Grady Champion. Right. I don't want that. You know, let me go work and prepare myself. A lot of us not preparing ourselves. And and I think get more into preparing yourself so you don't be one that they have to take up. It's going to be more fun when you're 75 years old playing because you love it and love want to it. play Not instead of because you got to somehow make the, the rent. I think I, I, I and that's what I said. I've been very fortunate. I'm not a drinker. I'm not a gambler. 
I like women, but you know, most blues guys are gonna say I like women. That's, uh, yes, <laughs> and, you know. So, um, I mean, if you're gonna have, you know, but you got to manage everything, right? You know what I'm saying? But we we we're not never perfect, but we want to try to do our best. You know, something that you can get up, look in the mirror, and say, you know, this all right. Why? Why you're still? Why are you still here? I mean, not seriously. You can pretty much live anywhere, but you're, you're still at home. I'm a country boy. Yeah. I like to go hunting. I told them, no matter if, no matter where I'm at in this world, if something happened to me, if I'm in Japan, if I'm in Europe or whatever, get me back home. Right. My mama brought me into this world in Mississippi. Matter of fact, Madison County, Mississippi. And that's why I want to leave this world back in Mississippi. So I'm a Mississippi boy by heart. I don't care where I'm at. If you can just find an arm, take that arm and bring it on back. I want some part of my, some part of me got to be back here. My spirit going to always be intact. But no matter if something do happen to me, I want to be back. I want to be brought back to Mississippi. A lot of people ask me that. They're like, why are you still Mississippi? I said, you got to understand, for what I do for a living, there's probably no better place in the world. But yeah. I can tell you as a creative person, and you are one too, there's something magical about this place. Oh, yeah. And and it does it. Do you find when you're sitting down writing a song that just something about being here and the people that you're it's the around? Experience. Yeah. It's the experience coming up. Go to your football hall of fame. Go to your rock and roll hall of fame. See how many ties is to Mississippi. Exactly. Grammys, all these different type of war country music. See how many got ties from the state of Mississippi. But you never left. A lot of people had to leave. Well, I mean, I, obviously, I mean, okay, this is what, this was so wonderful about you. You're you're going to be performing in Iowa, and then you turn around and performing in Switzerland. Yes, yeah. So you're all over the world. But you know, I, I we get, I mean, look at him. people are like, man, would you going to take that schedule? I say, yeah, I've been doing it. I mean, I, I've yeah. been out on the road four months at one time without coming back home, without doing anything, coming back to Mississippi. I lived on that road four months. At a time, and I knew it was hard on the band because you know we just twenty one shows in a row. Wow! Get a day off, and then you run another fifteen shows. Right. But I did all that, and uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed it when I was able to do it. That's what come in so important. Allowing a, a man like Terry Harvey to try to take my career right. and get me to that next level. Exactly. And that being able to put you in front of people to allow your music to spread. Everywhere. Just like it is right now. Just like now. Just like right now. I tell you what, this has been a fantastic discussion, and we're going to continue it. Of course, he's captivated audiences for more than two decades, and we're going to do it for one more segment as well. Grady Champion's with us, and if you want to give us a call, that's 877-672-6474. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. stories that matter to Mississippians with five first place awards from the Associated Press, including breaking news, radio achievement, and public affairs reporting. Your source for a deeper look at today's top story is MPB News. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Yeah! Have you ever noticed that every town and every state have a side of town? 
This is now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey and award-winning blues musician, Mr. Grady, a champion as well. So your amazing voice you hear, and we got to hear a little bit of your harmonica on the way oh, yeah. out in the oh, break. Yeah. That was that was in San Francisco, right? San Francisco. Yeah, talk about that when you know you're traveling around. I mean, I imagine when you go to Europe. I mean, you talk about being a rock star technically, <laughs> but I mean, people go wild for blues music. Oh, they love it. Yeah. They love it. When people tell me that, see, the thing about it, you got to realize with the blues is just mainstream radio don't support it like yeah. they do a lot of genres of music. Right. And the blues foundation haven't been as strong as it needs to be when it like with the country music. You know, the country music, yeah. if the blues foundation up in Memphis, Tennessee would just take a peek over at country music. Just down the road. Just, yeah, just look at country music. They allow, if you're talented, if you're young or old, they're going to support you. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But with the blues, they won't allow the growth. They won't allow the growth. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense because, like I said, you've got so many older musicians that are well, dying out. You look at, you're right, right, but you got to look at, like, with me, Eddie Cod, Mr. Silver, you got young yeah. blues artists. I mean, we came out of Mississippi, went up there to the the uh, the the, uh, the IBC, right, and just and took- we won. I was the first band out of Mississippi to win the International Blues Challenge. That's right. That was sent from Mississippi. Then Eddie Cotton came and swept it. Yeah. Then Mr. Silk came and swept it. You got a lot of talent, but you end up where the Blues Foundation need to support artists like we like artists like us out of Mississippi. But you get the gatekeepers. Yeah. If you don't do it the way they want you to do it, they will shut you out. But you know, with technology being what it is and with the way you hustle, you can kind of go around some of the gatekeepers. That's, that's now. exactly what I've been doing. Right. Because it's like uh, I can remember being back in the early 2000s. I played uh, the, the the Bruce Festival out in Colorado. Right. And I came up in the early 2000s. I was traveling around with a cordless credit card terminal. <laughs> and he said, boy, you ain't no blues, man. You a freaking businessman. I said, well, what is that you got in your hand right there? I said, that's a cordless credit card terminal. I don't want nobody to have no reason not to buy my CD. Right. Because that's how we get the music. Out there in a rant. I mean, B.B. King was a good businessman. Good businessman. Surrounding yourself with the right people is key. Right. You know, I mean, even I I just went back and um, last week, uh, Eddie Cotton called me and said, Grady, check out this this thing that on YouTube about B.B., you know, talking about B.B. Carrillo. See, B.B. played a lot, but he really wasn't making the money he needed to make to be really successful at what he was doing until later on in his right, career. Right, because he was doing the Chitlin circuit. Right, and he until was traveling later, in, until like the Rolling Stones put him out on the stage. Put an idea. The, yeah. See, the Rolling Stones from Europe, when you had people like Muddy Water, Howlin' Wolf, Sonny Boy, Williamson. Right. America didn't want to hear it until... Those guys come from Europe. And so, okay. completely ripped off right, their right. music. I mean, like Led Zeppelin, you know. Well, I mean, Led Zeppelin was a different beast. Right. Because Led Zeppelin wanted to take something that didn't belong to him. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. They should the promote them because. Stones, yeah. The Rolling Stones, the, the, you know, the Yardbirds, these people talked about the people that was their idols. Right. See, when you got people that can. Take something from anybody, but can say, oh, this is where I got it from. Right, because they would sit there and listen to the BBC at night when they were kids. That's right, listening to it. But it was a different beast with with Led Zeppelin. You can't come and take. No, you can't. You can't come and take. See, that's what I got watching on YouTube about Elvis. Yeah. I never knew that Elvis' biggest hit records were co-written by a black guy. I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. And that was, um, I think it was Otis... Uh, y'all should go. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. And uh, his name was God. His, I don't went blank. Otis Drywell. Ah, uh, 
You'll remember in exactly three minutes when we're I, off the I, air. That's how that like, works. I'll remember. Yeah. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's just like that music. Yeah. See, and a lot of people didn't realize when it came to Elvis, Elvis studied all type of music. He did. See, no matter who wrote the music, Elvis was getting in trouble when I, you know, when I was, you know, doing some research from going to Baptist churches who were black folks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was getting in trouble for it. And, but the thing is, is that he had the soul in the connection. Right. To connect to that music. And it's still the blues, baby. What nothing but blues. There you go. Yeah. Talk about your, your look, what's your latest album? Talk about it. Yeah. Movie, the, the latest album, one of a kind I yeah. did with, uh, you know, that, with Malachi. Yeah. We getting ready to cut another. We working okay. on it. Trying to write this thing. You know what I'm saying? I to say, you know, I mean, it's just, you got to get that time where folks have to leave you alone and let you write. Because you're so busy. And I mean, well, you know, something. I, I, I've been fortunate. Like I say, uh, me and Eddie Cotton work together Eddie's you know, a, a lot guy. on stuff. Yeah. He's People solid. don't realize Eddie Cotton is a genius when it comes to music. He's brilliant. It's blues. It's blues, but whatever. He's a genius. Oh, yeah. I mean, people can say what they want. He might not have. Uh, our time was a little different. But if we would have been back in the time when blue was popular music, it would be a different story. Yeah. So now it's figuring out a way. Me and Eddie, we have our means. We get together. We figure out a way. Okay, we got to make music, our blues music, where we can get it through and around and into mainstream. Last words and where, of course, folks can find more about you. Go to GradyChampion.com. I just finally got my website name back. That girl had my website for about three years. What? Well, when she stopped working, she took my website with her because I didn't realize when, when she said, I'm going to keep it and I'm going to work your website, I need you to transfer it over uh. to me. And I transferred it over to her and took forever to get my website back. But I, I built my new website, which I personally built it myself. So, hey, it ain't. Hey. It worked. I tried it this morning. So, they're right. It worked. And I built it myself. I want the information to get to the people yeah. on what we're doing. And that's the biggest thing. Grady, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It's always good to see you. I'm always happy to be here. You make me smile when I come in the door. I'm gonna have you. To, I'm gonna have you to do my next album cover in cartoon. That would be fun. That would be too much fun. Grady, thank you so much. And of course, I want to thank the amazing Michelle McAdoo for producing the show. Now you're talking as a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy and join us next week for more. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey, only on MPB Think Radio. Woke up this morning with a whole lot on my mind. I just want to thank you, my Lord, for allowing me to get up on this stage one more time.